0: Hey, hey, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Rohn, and we are talking all about legacy today. Legacy from a financial standpoint. And I'm so excited that you're here because you are in for so much good information. Like I can't even tell you how much good information y'all about to get. If this happens to be your very first time listening to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a sister friend community where we talk very openly and honestly about the struggles or challenges that can come up as women as we wear multiple hats and have competing priorities. So here is where you'll get lots of different tips, advice, advice, guidance, and you'll be in good company, like I said, with other sister friends who have similar struggles as well. All of the topics that we talk about are linked to one or more of what I call my flow pillars. And if you'd like to learn more about those, you can go to the first five or so episodes where I talk all about what those are, how to incorporate them in your life, what they really mean, and how they apply to creating capacity in each and every area of your life, which honestly allows you to show up in excellence in everything that you do. As a capacity coach, this is one of the things that I help women focus on and create, really increasing their capacity for sustainable success. And one of the ways to do that is by understanding your money, okay? Let's say that again, by understanding your money and putting things in place to make sure that you are able to flow and flourish effortlessly, while I am not a money expert, I do know that I've been in corporate for over 20 years and been in HR leadership roles for over a decade. And I know from personal experience and making six figures that it's still possible to live paycheck to paycheck and how doing so really takes up a lot of mental and emotional capacity. So I have today Miss Emily V. Macklin, who is going to talk to us about thinking legacy. Are you thinking legacy for your family? I would advise you right now to get a notebook and a pen and take some notes because she's going to be dropping a lot of different valuable nuggets that you can use today, tomorrow, and in the future. Without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and just read to you her or a short biome. Emily V. Macklin is the founder of Think Legacy Financial Coaching. Her mission is to help corporate career women position themselves for entrepreneurship by overcoming money and mindset blocks. She helps them build a better budget, maximize their current income, and boost their confidence and competence in money. She is a proud wife and mom of three children and values faith and finance. She uses this unique approach of combining faith and finance to build confidence and competence in four areas, mindset, skills and knowledge, behavior, and stewardship. She is a money coach who has spent the last 20 years in corporate finance in various roles as an accountant, senior business analyst, and chief of staff to finance executives at two Fortune 100 companies. She brings her finance experience and desire for all families to thrive financially and create the opportunities for multiple generations to do the same to the table as a personal finance coach. Her ultimate goal with clients is to teach them how to become the chief financial officer or CFO of their own financial lives and create a financial legacy that says they handled God's money well and nurtured and taught the next generation how to do the same. Please welcome Emily to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Well, hello, Miss Emily. Thank you for coming to the Flow and Flourish podcast today.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for
0: having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. I know that you and I have been trying to connect for a long, long time. What folks may not know is that you and I met, what was it, back in 2019?
1: March of 2019.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. at the Coaching or Speaking and Coaching Retreat. There we go. (laughs) What the R stand for? The Speaking and Coaching Retreat. And that was such a great experience. And I know that when we sat next to each other, I was really, really drawn to you and what you're doing and your desire to really want to help people like myself and people that look like us uh, really understand money and how to manage it especially for those who make six figures and live paycheck to paycheck, like you've been saying in your lives and all of those things. So I'm excited to have you here just to have this open conversation about what that looks like.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the invite. I know it's kind of a, a taboo subject because mm. you know, everybody <laughs> believes because you have that six figure salary that your money problems don't exist, which that is miracle. It is a huge myth, and definitely
0: myself being one of those who used to live paycheck to paycheck, it just, you think when you make more, you can spend more, and so I don't want to steal your shine on talking about all of this. I'd first like to have you talk a little bit about how you ended up in this space as a coach, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I've been officially a coach in a business for about two years. But, you know, finances, personal finance, corporate finance is just always been my thing. I remember up until about 11th grade, I wanted to be a teacher. And then I took an accounting class and I fell in love with balancing a checkbook. (laughs) It was either the accounting class or the economics class. And I was like, you know what? That's it. Accounting. And from there, you know, I have always just had a knack for money and all things money. And always just been interested in money and I've spent the last 20 years in corporate finance mm-hmm. most of it in accounting and and the last probably about eight years doing a lot of financial analysis supporting executives finance executives as well so and the way I actually got interested in personal finance like I said i corporate but you know I've had overcome my own personal journey and it really has you know grown my desire to help other women overcome that paycheck to paycheck cycle, because that was me. (laughs) I and my husband were the ones who were making six figures and still living paycheck to paycheck and overcoming that feeling of drowning financially, suffocating financially. It is, it's very liberating and it is very empowering Mm -hmm. to Really feel in control of your money. And I want other people to experience that. Yes. Oh, that is so good. I think
0: that, as you were saying, same thing over here, right? Those feelings that you have when you are drowning, when you don't know where the money is going to, it definitely impacts you in every other area of your life. And I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, what does living paycheck to paycheck look like for people in case they may not know what that is. (laughs) They may be, you know, in denial or whatnot. We want to bust some myths and shine some light on what this looks like.
1: Right, right. So first and foremost, when I talk about this and, you know, give statistics and give, you know, descriptions of what it is, the main reason that I am so vocal and I talk about it so openly, I Mm -hmm. want people to know that they are not alone, that, Mm -hmm. You know, you may feel on an island when you're dealing with your own financial problems, but 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And get this. Did you say 78? Like seven, eight? Seven, eight. eight, Almost (laughs) eight in 10 people, eight in every 10 people live paycheck to paycheck. And get this, 25% of households who earn at least $150,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. I know no that's hard to believe. Yes, a household earns hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and they live paycheck to paycheck. So, what is paycheck to paycheck living? That is, I'm gonna give you five five ways to know that you may recognize this. You may even this may even resonate with you. If okay. you spend nearly everything that you earn, there's paycheck to paycheck. If there's very little space between your incoming cash flow and your outgoing cash flow meaning there's none left, that's paycheck Mm -hmm. to paycheck. You know, another way that you know someone's living paycheck to paycheck is if most of their, most or all of the paycheck goes to debt payments. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many paychecks I had that I would get it on a Friday and it was gone on a Friday because I had to pay credit cards, loans, (laughs) student loans, car notes. That is not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Another sign is little to no savings. Another one is you feel like you're one paycheck away from being broke constantly. You know, if you were to miss a paycheck, everything would just fall completely apart or at least it feels that way. And then just the last sign is, as I mentioned, as money comes in, it leaves as quick as it comes in. Those are all signs that you may be living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. I was writing those
0: down. Um, I got, you spend most of it. I think I missed number two, that you have little to no savings, Mm -hmm. that you're one check away from being broke, or at least it feels that way. Mm -hmm. And that money leaves as quick as it
1: comes in. Which one did I miss? That most, if not all of your paycheck goes to debt payments. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good because most of us, and I'm not even going to lie, from time to time, I've recently found myself there, right? Like I'm much, much better at it now. But even like you said, getting paid on a Friday and it's gone on a Friday. And you're wondering, where did it go? Mm -hmm. Even if you've budgeted, even if you've planned and you've stuck to your budget and then you're just left feeling all these different feelings, overwhelmed, fearful, ashamed, Mm -hmm. guilty. So tell me a little bit about where we can start. You've mentioned money mindset. So talk to me a little bit about that. I want you to talk to me a little bit about your company, Think Legacy, since that's the name of the podcast.:
1: So I own a company by the name of Think Legacy, a financial coaching, and I help primarily corporate women to position themselves financially for entrepreneurship, by helping them overcome money and mindset blocks, just like myself. I really target women who are over corporate America, <laughs> to be uh-huh. honest. <laughs> the women who desire more flexibility in their lives, more meaningful work, and they want to bet on themselves. However, their personal finances are holding them back. So I provide financial coaching that helps them get positioned, you know, for financially overcoming the paycheck to paycheck cycle building that financial runway that allows you to bet on yourself with confidence. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's who I serve primarily. And like I said, that was me, you know, really, really not feeling corporate America anymore and wanting to branch out with the things that I know to serve people, to serve the world, to add more value into the world and do it, you know, via a business, via entrepreneurship. And I want to be able to enable women who have those same desires. I want to provide them with, again, the coaching that allows them to build their confidence and their competence in money matters.
0: And that's so needed as someone who is in the process of doing just that, right? No, not a corporate after 20 plus years and building this business and being an entrepreneur. I can't tell you how many times my finances stood in the way. Like, oh, I can't do it because we are living paycheck to paycheck or we were living paycheck to paycheck and really wanting to have a plan to be able to get out of there, right? To have that peace of mind, to feel like, you know, I know there's never ever really the best or perfect time to do anything. It's always gonna be a leap of faith, but at least having some stuff together so you can feel more peaceful about that. So (laughs) I'm really thankful for the work that you do. Now, as we think about how to get there, you mentioned mindset. So tell me a little bit about mindset and how this plays into our finances.
1: Your mindset and your habits, but mainly your mindset, are critical. I know you are a capacity coach and Mm -hmm. you talk a lot about capacity. They are critical to your capacity to be a good steward. Your mindset is critical to your capacity to be a good steward and to manage money well. And when I say money mindset, money mindset is really your fixed mental attitude or your disposition that really predetermines how you respond to money, how Mm -hmm. you use money, how you think about money, how you, again, your relationship with money. And the thing about mindset that most of us, we think money is about money. It's not.
0: (laughs) not Say it again. No, because it's the truth. Say it one more time so we We can let that sink in.
1: We think money is about money, but it really isn't. And I will give you a prime example. Your money mindset is shaped by what you saw growing up, what you heard, what you experienced. And I will tell you about a client that I recently had just a huge breakthrough. She Realized that well, first of all, she was a very good steward. She had a significant amount of money saved up in her savings, her investments, her assets, and she had this fear of losing it she didn 't want to to spend it she didn 't want to invest it and we explored why, and we traced it back to something that happened to her when she was nine years old that nine years old that event that happened to her when she was nine years old was still the person was managing her money, that nine-year-old was managing her money, but it was a single event. And that's all it takes, a single event that really sets your mindset or shapes your mindset around money. And when you start to explore your mindset and how it was shaped, like going back to your money story, these Mm -hmm. things become evident. However, we don't spend a lot of time exploring our money mindsets or exploring our money stories because that's really how you get to the bottom of how your mindset was shaped.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point because as you think about taking the time to even figure out what your money story is, Mm -hmm. oftentimes if you're struggling financially or living paycheck to paycheck, you're running from those things and your capacity, you literally have zero capacity to even address them or think about them because you're so stressed out. And so I want everybody listening to really think about this and understand how your money really does impact your overall capacity. You have to be able to at least be in a space where you can think clearly so that you can recognize what is my mindset? What are my money habits? So that you can kind of attack them from that way. As we were talking, I know you sent me this cute diagram that I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. and Just talk me through it because it's based on, as you mentioned, your money mindset and your habits and Mm -hmm. how those actually lead to different results. So talk me through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's a model that, there's a life coach who I follow who's just brilliant. Her name is Brooke Castillo and she has this model that really explains how your thoughts drive your results. So your thoughts start in your mind, right? And those are gonna be how you think about an event or how you think about a thing. So if you think that money is bad, that's gonna drive your feelings toward money. Mm-hmm. If you have bad if you have thoughts that money is bad, that's gonna drive your feelings toward money. Those feelings are going to drive your actions toward money. So if you think it's bad, you're gonna run away from it or you're going to avoid it. And those actions are going to drive your results. So your thoughts drive your feelings, which drive your actions, which drive your results.
0: Yeah. And you said something that made me think, I know it's something that's gone through my head before. Like who really out there thinks money is bad, right? Most of us are like, ooh, I want more of it. I don't think that it's bad at all, but help me unpack what it looks like or what some of those thoughts are when we equate money to being bad.
1: So if you're like me and you grew up in the church and you grew up, you know, in the South, tell me what you probably have heard about money from a Christian perspective. Money is the root of what? All evil. I was just about to say it. All evil. And that has been ingrained in you as a child. So as an adult, that's what you're taking into your adulthood as you manage the money that you have or the money that comes into your life on a daily basis.
0: And not even realizing it, right?
1: Like, not even realizing that you feel that way or that that is ingrained into your mindset. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, th- also think about just little things that people would say about money. Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, that kind of has a negative connotation it, with it. It does. Yeah. Yeah, you know, little things like what your mama say when you want to go to McDonald's. Do you got McDonald's money? You know, just little <laughs> things like that. And another one, I recall people saying like I remember like maybe my aunts or, you know, uncles just maybe saying things about people who were, you know, well off. Oh, they got a little money. Mm-hmm. You ever heard anybody say it like that? Yeah. And if, because they have a little money, they are bad or something is wrong with having a little money, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's little nuances like that. Just hearing people talk about money when you were growing up or just, you know, seeing people struggle with money. All of that has created how you feel and how you handle money.
0: Yeah. I had to dive really, really deep into that myself. I was reading a book called You Are a Badass at Making Money Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: really thinking about where my own, I guess not triggers, but my own mindset came from. And -hmm. it was a lot of the things that you mentioned, right? I constantly heard growing up, money don't grow on trees or money too tight to mention, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that a part of me was afraid to invite money into my life because of the judgment, right? I didn't want to be perceived as being better than anybody. I didn't want to have everybody calling and asking me for money either. So just all of these little things. And one of the exercises that I did from the book was to actually write out what are all my fears and then to, or my fears and my thoughts. And Mm -hmm. then to look at that from a different lens And I cannot tell you how much that helped me, right? We don't realize how much of that junk we're carrying around from, like with your client from nine years old. And as a parent now, I have to catch myself because I have the little boy that's like, mama, can we get some McDonald's? And I'm like, you got McDonald's money? (laughs) Um, And so we talk openly about it, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you have some savings, you've been getting your allowance. Do you want to spend your money on it? Nope. I want to spend your money. Oh, okay. Well, we won't be getting it. Mm -hmm. So really trying to help and educate them, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is why I love what you're doing because think legacy, you know, for me, it's not just my family right now. It's the future, the different generations and changing the different mindsets and habits right now will lead to legacy for them. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because we're in the middle of a pandemic, I want you to talk to me a little bit about how joblessness and stress and all of those different things from a money perspective is impacting not just the United States, but, you know, the world and how it impacts the different stress levels.
1: So I've heard someone mention that there's actually two pandemics going on. One is, you know, of course the health pandemic and two is, you know, the fear around the unknown around our personal finances, the unknown around our health and all of that contributes to the stress, the mental and physical stress Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: comes along with having instability in your finances. Over 30 million people Filed for unemployment in the first six weeks of the pandemic. So from the March and April, there were thirty million adults Americans, adult Americans who filed for unemployment, meaning they could not, uh, they had their normal flow of income interrupted, and they needed government assistance to be able to survive.
0: Listen, my husband was one of those because he's a chef, right? And the food industry has been impacted significantly. So I'm on the reaping end of that. I understand completely. I identify with that of, you know, not really understanding where the money is going to come from and Mm -hmm. having your finances interrupted. And it definitely, as you mentioned, takes a huge toll on you mentally, emotionally, which leads to physical
1: things too. Exactly. And even the ones that, you know, may not have lost their job or maybe they had reduced hours. There's still stress there. There's still stress for financial worries because you don't know if your job is next. And about there was a survey that was done by, I think it was Salary Finance, that said 48% of employees are worried about money. And they're worried about money not only at home, but at work too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Where they're making the money,
1: right? <laughs> Where they're making the money, which means your productivity is impacted, which means the bottom line of an organization is impacted. About half of the United States workforce is dealing with financial stress. And this was done in 2019. So I would, you know, guarantee that's probably double in 2020. Yeah. So, you know, leading to $500 billion in lost productivity. That's what it costs employers. For employees that are at work worried about their finances and not able to properly do their jobs,
0: that's so significant. And you know, coming from the HR space, your girl miss HR over here, you know, we have things as as organizations in place to try to help deal with some of those things, like EAP, which is employee assistance programs. Most organizations have wellness programs that incorporate some sort of financial piece. However, what else can we do to help employees feel more comfortable as we think about, you know, where we're headed, seeing spikes in numbers, understanding that unemployment is still, you know, super, super high. We're transitioning to a new administration, hopefully at some point. (laughs) I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. But what things can you recommend as a financial coach? for people to do on their own right not dependent on EAP not dependent on HR what kind of things do you recommend to your clients
1: so well first of all if you have access to that kind of resource they a uh, lot of times offer you know access to resources that can help you with your finances so I, that would be job number 1 is see what kind of resources that you can tap into that are already available to you and it's free and it's, it's free. 100% free and confidential and it's free. And confidential. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, even beyond that, what you can start doing, you got to start really looking at your financial habits. Are your habits costing you your financial freedom? Are they costing you your financial success? Looking at the habits and the things that you can be doing with your money. And the first thing you want to be doing is knowing your numbers. Do you know your cash flow? Do you know how much you have coming in and how much you have going out?
0: Okay, Miss Money.
1: <laughs> it sounds basic, right?
0: But, but a lot of basic. people don't do
1: that. So talk about basic. that. It's basic. It starts with just actively knowing your numbers, reducing any destructive expenses and increasing income. It's that simple. But I know, you know, the hustle and bustle of life. We don't always sit down to pay attention to those things. And you know what? Because of that money mindset, we don't want to pay attention to that (laughs) because we don't like what we will uncover, but we can only change what we uncover by actually giving our money some attention.
0: I say all the time that, you know, you can't fix what you don't face.
1: You cannot fix what you won't face.
0: And it's the money part isn't going to go away especially if you are looking to venture out of corporate, you're going to have to learn how to manage your own finances. So I love that you're talking about these different habits. So keep going. I'm sorry. I won't interrupt you no more.
1: (laughs) No, that's okay. No, here's the thing. If you got raggedy personal finances, you're going to have raggedy business finances. Not raggedy. (laughs) Raggedy. And you know what? That is not going to help you. <laughs> that is not going to help you run your business. Because the same way you run your personal finances, you're likely going to run your business finances the same way. Yeah. So it behooves you to get in control of your personal finances. So not only knowing your numbers, and I hope your, I hope your audience doesn't log off after I say this next one.
0: They better not. I we, know we're here people,
1: to tell the truth. I, I know how people feel about the B word, but you need to budget. <laughs> A budget is simply a plan. That's it. It is a plan for how you will spend, save, and give for the month. That's mm-hmm. it. it is a roadmap. It is a money plan. Let's, let's just call it a money plan. If that makes it sound any better. As, that sounds a little sexier than budget. <laughs> it sounds a little sexy. Okay. Well, my money, money map. Plan. Let me work on my money map. <laughs> <laughs> you need a money plan. A money plan that just tells you how you're going to spend, save, and give for the month. And that just helps you stay organized. That helps you take control and stay organized of how your money is coming in and how it's going out. And the next thing I want to mention is building your emergency fund. Mm. You want to be able to have that safety net because having that, if you were to lose a job or you were to be laid off or you were to reduce your income, you are going to feel a lot more secure knowing that you have that safety net that's available to help you, to catch you in those times when you are in need. There's another coach who always says, Mr. George Pitts, he says, when you take care of your money, your money takes care of you. You want to put your money in a position to take care of you in times where you really need it. And that's legacy thinking, right? That's legacy thinking. That is legacy thinking. I want to share this. This is how Just a quick kind of deviation here, how I came up with my name of my uh, company, Think Legacy. One of my favorite money books is Poverty, Riches, and Wealth by Chris Valaton.
0: Poverty, Riches, and Wealth by...
1: Chris Valaton. K-R-I-S-V-A-L-L-O-T-T-O-N. And it really speaks about money from a kingdom perspective. And I literally was reading this book And it was like, God said, that's it. That's your name. And I want to read this and kind of uh, bring home the point about thinking legacy. It says, make long-term investments that will pay dividends in the future. Poor people live for today. Middle-class people live for their retirement. But wealthy people live to leave a legacy. Think legacy. And that is, (laughs) I said, that's it. That I want to be a wealthy person who leaves a legacy. Not only because I want to leave wealth, but as a kingdom entrepreneur, as a woman of God, that is my charge. Proverbs 13 and 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance Mm. for his children's children. So not only my children, but my children's children. So when I think about my money, my money is either taking care of me today or it's taking care of my children or my children's children tomorrow. So every dollar that comes into my account has a job. You either taking care of me, Are you going to take care of my children and my children's children? So when I think about money, I'm thinking about what can I invest in today? What can I build today? What can I create today that is going to allow me to take care of my children and my children's children? Always have that in mind. Think legacy.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And you know, I think for me, I'll be honest, I didn't even start thinking legacy-like until my daughter was probably like 10 or 11 Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because I have been working so hard just to survive and listen, (laughs) just coming out of being a single mom and, you know, being in corporate for a while, but not really making a whole lot. I started to think about what am I going to leave her? Mm -hmm. Right. And then thinking beyond that to fulfill my own purpose and my own calling wanting to help other people be able to do the same thing. As I started to explore, how could I do that? Right. I -hmm. knew the basics about, okay, make sure that you have life insurance. Yes. Within, Mm -hmm. you know, your job, but also outside of your job. But I wasn't in a space where I even felt like I could afford to build this safety net or Patrice Washington calls it the opportunity fund. Yeah. And so how can people who feel as though they don't have no money (laughs) to put into something else because it's all sucked up, how do they go from that to at least building that fund?
1: So the first thing is you got to shift your mindset. You got to decide that you are fed up with living paycheck to paycheck. And then you decide that you're going to take action. Because you can be fed up all day, all night, all year, and not do anything about it. Yep. So you got to decide that you're fed up and that you're going to do something about it. And you first start with identifying what those destructive behaviors are, what those destructive habits are. Are you overspending every single month? Do you have, this is why I said knowing your numbers is important. So you know exactly how much you got coming in, and then you're gonna have to take some time to do some data analysis. <laughs> you gotta look, take a month of your debit card or your bank account statement, your credit card statement, and actually write down how much you actually spend each month. I guarantee most of us do not know that number. We do not know that number. We just know when the bank account gets empty, we start swiping the Visa card, we start swiping the MasterCard. <laughs> right, yep. <laughs> So you need to know exactly how much you are overspending or underspending. There's a thing. And then, as I said, building a budget, a budget, whenever you do a budget on paper or on Excel, it's going to tell you one of three things. Number one, if you have a deficit, if you are spending more money than what you have coming in, it's going to tell you, number two, if it's a balanced budget, maybe you don't have any extra money to save or pay down debt. And number three it's going to tell you if you have a surplus, which is where you want to be so that you can start to use that money to pay down debt and to go toward your financial goals. So mm-hmm. those are why, that's why a budget is important. That's why knowing your numbers is important. So you can get clear on exactly where you are. You can't do anything if you don't know what you're working with. <laughs> you got to get clear. Show start. me what you're working with. <laughs> you got to <laughs> show me what that's you're hard. Working with. <laughs> You got to know what you're working with. You got to know what you're working with. And if you are in a position where you you don't have a lot of room, you don't have a lot of extra space to be able to do, you got to come up with some ways to increase your income. I know a lot of people talk about cutting expenses. You want to do that too. But explore how you can increase your income. Do that first, whether it's asking for a raise or seeking out a higher paying job. Let me tell you, I sat in a job that i mean i love the job i did but for 17 years i worked at this company and then i finally decided to leave the company that i was at my first year in that job between bonuses and just the pay increase that i took when i took that job an extra thirty thousand (laughs) dollars what would an extra thirty thousand dollars do for you would that boost you out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle If you explore employment opportunities outside of your job, I know we like familiarity. Look for opportunities to increase your income. Cutting your expenses only gets you so much. So that's what I charge you to do is look for opportunities to increase your income, whether that's building your side hustle, ramping up a side hustle that will generate some income. Just look for opportunities that are going to bring in additional cash flow so that you can actually do something, so that you can actually pay down debt work towards building your emergency fund and work towards saving for college and work towards saving for retirement. All of those things you need, you may need additional cash flow. At the same time, as I say, you want to be identifying any destructive behaviors and stopping. If you overspend, stop it. That's not helping your situation. If you swipe your credit card at the end of every month, stop it. Take them out of your wallet. Freeze them. Give yourself cut off access. Cut
0: off your cards before I'm not playing.
1: Cut them up. I've done all of that. Yeah. I mean, these are practical things that you can do. If you got Amazon boxes showing up at your doorstep every other day, don't you judge me. uh -uh. I'm not judging because they show up at my doorstep. (laughs) It's magic. Okay. If we got Amazon boxes showing up at my doorstep every day, (laughs) listen. (laughs) Delete the app. Take your credit card information out. Wherever your weak spots are, you have to do a little bit extra to be able to overcome those destructive habits.
0: Yeah, it sounds like making it difficult, right? Make it difficult for you Make to it do what you normally would do. With that too, I know one of the things that I started doing, I used to hear all the time, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. But my mindset was like, ain't nobody got time for that. I need to pay these bills first, right? So I started to literally pay myself first. I opened up an account that I did not have access to physically. So through an online bank, Mm -hmm. I decided I did not want a debit card because I know myself. (laughs) And I started to have, at first it was like $25 per paycheck. Right. And when I realized I wasn't really noticing a big difference in my regular take-home pay, I'm like, oh, let me go and kick this up a notch. And so I want to encourage people to start small, right? It's the little steps that lead to big rewards. And so even if you know, you're know you starting, if it's $5, I don't care if it's a dollar, at least get in the habit. And like you said, starting with your mindset too. I wanted to talk about another thing while we're talking about habits. You and I were talking about how our brains are wired to do three things. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that and how it pertains to our money habits.
1: So our primal brains are wired to do three things, as you mentioned. Number one, avoid pain. Number two, seek pleasure. And number three, do things as efficiently as possible. That's why you don't have to think about brushing your teeth or you don't have to think about taking a shower, or taking a bath or even driving to work. You get in your car and you drive the same way. Every single day, you make the same right turn and the same left turn. It's automatic. And if you, I don't know if you've done this, but if you are leaving for work at the same time that you normally leave, but maybe it's a vacation day and you're going somewhere else, but you automatically turn. You're on it's autopilot. autopilot. Yeah, <laughs> autopilot. So our brain loves for us to do things on autopilot, which works great if you're doing things that are productive for you and productive for your money, right? You have things, you have habits that you're doing that are not necessarily productive. It works against you. But many times if you have a habit of spending money, whenever you are sad or when you are mad or frustrated, or just feeling some kind of emotion, that's where this retail therapy thing comes Mm -hmm. from. Even happy. I
0: know I've done that too, right? Like, Oh, I'm so excited. Let me go.
1: Buy a new pair of shoes to celebrate. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, those things are our brains trying to avoid pain. And how do you do that? You avoid the pain of being sad or or having a bad day at work or having a fight with your spouse. You want to avoid that pain. It doesn't feel good. So Mm -hmm. what do you go do? Maybe we go and spend $100 to Target. That makes me feel real good. I'm seeking pleasure. Mm -hmm. So get in a habit of always avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. And those habits are, their spending triggers that help us kind of overcome those emotions that we don't want to feel.
0: Ooh, let's dive into that a little bit. Tell me about these different triggers, because you mentioned the emotional ones, and I know there are some non-emotional ones as well. Mm -hmm. So let's start with emotional. And first of all, let's identify what a trigger is when we're talking about Mm-hmm. our finances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So usually with a the habit, there's a trigger that precedes that habit or that action, or there's some kind of cue or something that says, Hey, this is what I do when this happens. Yes. And that's what that trigger and that cue. So a spending trigger is an emotion that causes us to give into spending temptations, that spending that helps us avoid that pain that we have. And so there are emotional triggers and some are non-emotional triggers, And emotional triggers uh, typically um, generally make you spend money that mask or replace that emotion. You're trying to avoid that pain. You you don't want to feel sad, or you don't want to feel stress or frustration. So we use shopping as a way to mask those feelings. Because it feels good. It feels good Mm -hmm. to go get a new pair of shoes. It feels good to go get a new dress.
0: (laughs) Yes. Even if I can't wear it
1: nowhere, I'm going to wear it in the house. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will tell you my story on one of the non-emotional triggers how it showed up for me in the pandemic but one of the other emotional triggers think about what you do when you're bored you browse online you use shopping as a form of entertainment you know what about when you wander this was me too wandering around target to all the in-cap aisles where the clearance stuff is mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know now when you think about as you mentioned just browsing even online right mm mm-hmm. Now we're inundated with ads for things that we may have just had in a conversation with our spouse, or we may have Googled. So even if you're not intentionally trying to shop, you're scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and all of a sudden it's, hey, I saw you were looking for tiki torches. These are on sale and you know all of those different things. So thank you for pointing that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you notice that when you get bored, that's your go-to, that could be an emotional trigger for you being bored. <laughs> You know, what, what should I do? Let me grab my phone. I'll find something on my phone. And then what pops up? Oh, come and get this head wrap or come and get this phone holder that also <laughs> pours your coffee and all, you know, whatever. <laughs> all the kitchen gadgets, love oh them. God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, so there, you have to, there are some emotional triggers, but there are also non-emotional triggers. How about this? Who goes and feel like you need to go buy something when you, you get an increase in income? When you get a paycheck, do you spend more on paydays? That could be a trigger for you. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Could be a trigger for you if you go and you spend more on paydays. That was a trigger for me. I was, I was like, "Oh, okay, I got paid today, so you know, <laughs> I'm about to ball out.
0: <laughs> I can ball out a little
1: bit, you know. I can ball out a little bit. <laughs> I've, been,
0: I've been holding back all week, waiting for payday.
1: That could be a spending trigger for some people. Also, you know, getting a deal, like, again, this is kind of emotional too. And this is why you see all of like the ads and things and the come and buy this and get it for $9.99 and whatever, you know, sales or coupons, you know, that rush of getting a deal could be a trigger for you. I really like New York and company. And I don't know if you Girl, were I was New York and
0: company, just getting but, ready to say, I had to get off the email <laughs> list
1: to as well because they send those emails they send those coupons it was such a trigger for me off. yeah and mm-hmm. i don't know what it is but i never wanted to let them expire without me using them so during the pandemic i was like shopping like a fool with mm-hmm. nowhere to wear the stuff yep Got you a know, full of stuff yeah i'm with you yes it was such a trigger for me you know i am not above any of this you know i have money Issues that, you
0: know, I just recognize them. Yeah, and I want to pause really quick because I think that's a really good point. Each and every one of us are human, right? Mm -hmm. This is not about perfection. This is not about judgment. This is about Mm -hmm. helping you get in a headspace to recognize these different thoughts, Mm -hmm. these habits, these triggers, so that you can reach your financial goals, so that you can be able to leave a legacy for your children and generations to come. And so I love that you say you're not above it because, sis, neither am I. I just told you. I had to delete the New York and Company stuff. I had to unsubscribe to the text messages for Coach. Mm -hmm. There were all kinds of things, even the Target stuff, right? Like, come Mm -hmm. in, three-hour flash sale. So I want, and I know you do too, everybody listening to understand that we're in this together, right? You're not alone.
1: Right. Right. That's what I always want people to know. There are two things really that I want people to know when it comes to their finances. One, you are not alone. I don't care how bad you feel like your situation may be. You are not alone. And number two, it doesn't have to stay that way. There's always an opportunity for you to change. You just just have to decide you want to change. And the thing about life, the thing about money, six months from now, things could be completely different. All it takes is one idea, one obedient action to just really change your situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think we're jumping a little bit ahead of where I wanted to go. So let's jump into it even more, right? Okay. And talking about what kind of solutions I wanted to provide the listeners with some key things that they can do today right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After we (laughs) address the B word, the budget, we called it something sexy though. What did we call it? The money money map, money money plan. Okay. What other things would you recommend as solutions for anyone listening who is recognizing themselves in this conversation that we're having today?
1: So first and foremost is just, just pay attention. Just Create the awareness of what your triggers are, the awareness of your bad habits. Become aware of them. I guarantee you, most of us do a lot of overspending unconsciously. It is only after we look up at the end of the month or the end of the week, like, I just had $500 in my account. Where did it go?
0: Can I tell you real quick?
1: Go ahead. Listen,
0: with a chef at home, Before I knew my numbers, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we were spending $600 a month on fast food, eating out, restaurants. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I got a whole chef and (laughs) we're spending what? So that awareness is key. Absolutely key.
1: Yeah, yeah. Keep creating that awareness so you know exactly what you need to do, exactly where your issues are. Secondly, again, is deciding that you no longer want to live this way. Like you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired (laughs) and be ready to take action. So when you think about some of the actions, we've talked about some things that you can start doing, but. Whenever it comes to these spending triggers and overspending or spending more than what you're comfortable with is your issue, Is finding alternatives to deal with emotions or whatever those cues or those triggers are. So when you recognize that you are bored, you recognize you're frustrated, you're sad, and you're about to go to that bad habit, find something that like taking a walk or picking up a book or, you know... Doing some jumping jacks. Like I have my doing jacks. this morning. <laughs> Identify something. When you start to pick up that Amazon app to scroll, put it down and say, this is what I'm going to do. So Thinking about it, it right? Yeah. Thinking about it. Thinking about it instead of unconsciously, continuously strolling and clicking by and, you know, whatever really thinking about thinking it through, thinking through ahead of time, not when you get in the moment, but really sitting down and deciding, okay, this is what I'm going to do whenever I get this feeling or whenever this occurs again. Like you got to have a plan ahead of time. Don't wait until you get into the moment. And the fourth thing I wanted to share is when you have some financial goals, so setting financial goals, that's the action. Because when you think about, okay, if you're trying to build your emergency fund, or if you're trying to buy a new car, if you're trying to save for a house down payment or something, when you go to spend that money, know that you're taking away from whatever that goal is. So when you got goals, you can always kind of divert your attention back to that. Like, mm, do I really want to spend this hundred dollars on shoes. When I can we know... keep these in our head or can we write these down? What makes the most sense? Oh, writing them down. You already know, write down those financial goals not only writing them down but writing down an action plan if you got a, if you have a goal to save a thousand dollars, write down how you're going to do it If that's a hundred dollars out of the next paycheck next ten paychecks, write that down If yes. it's going to be automatically deposited into your savings account, write that down
0: so we were talking about setting the financial goals and how important it is to not only have them in your brain, but to put them on paper and to put a plan together for your money.
1: So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually share a worksheet that I share with my clients and I'd be glad to share it with yours as well. But when we set goals, we set the goal. We use the SMART method. I know you from corporate America, you understand what a SMART goal is, is. right?
0: (laughs) So I've been I, coaching people on it for you know.
1: 15 years. Well, <laughs> so not only do we write down what the goal is, we write down specifically what it is, when we want to achieve it. We I have them write down the actual steps, meaning I'm going to have automatic deposits go into my checking account, write that down. So that yes. you know specifically how and when you're going to hit that goal. We also write down, okay, what are the obstacles that may come up? and how you're going to overcome those obstacles. If you got six months that you have to get this goal, a lot could happen in six months. So you want to be as prepared as possible so that you don't get off track with your goals. And then lastly, you want to write down, when you hit that goal, we got to celebrate it. Come on now. (laughs) Celebrate it. Not by buying shoes, though. (laughs) Not by buying shoes. Maybe you buy, you know, a Starbucks, but maybe... (laughs) to celebrate the hard work, the commitment, the discipline that you had to meet that goal. And then the last thing that we put on the worksheet is what's next, Mm -hmm. which one, what's our next goal? So we know what we're doing now. We know when we're going to do it. We know what we're going to do to celebrate it. And we know what is next. So that's the things that I have my clients do whenever we're goal setting and we fill out a worksheet so that they know exactly. It's kind of like automatic. Once you have the plan laid out, this is what you got to do. There shouldn't be a reason why you don't do it. No, I think the worksheet is great.
0: Let's talk about getting that over, not only to, you know, you said you're using it with your client, Mm -hmm. but figure out a way if we can incorporate it and put the information in the show notes.
1: Yep. So
0: good. Well, I know that I can talk to you about money all day long because, Um, you know, it really is the crux of how we live. Whether or not we believe we have you know, limiting beliefs around and whatnot, it does make the world go round and you Mm -hmm. need it to survive. Mm -hmm. And because we are amidst holiday season, let's talk a little bit about any tips or suggestions you have for people, especially right now, when we think about the emotional triggers, right? Oh, I can't see my grandparents, so I want to send them some extra this. Or my kids are stuck in the house now because it's winter and they haven't seen their friends. So I want to do that. What can we do right now to help us as we go into this holiday season where most people go broke and super, super, super into debt buying gifts and such?
1: Right. So, well, the first thing is if you are going to be Christmas shopping for family, for friends, set an amount give yourself a limit don't just show up on black friday and go (laughs) bananas
0: (laughs) and speaking of which did you know that they started black friday
1: like a week ago (laughs) i'm sorry i'm like what (laughs) yeah it's like a thing now that it's like multiple days or or something
0: but setting an amount for you know, what you're going
1: to spend. Okay. Right. Giving yourself a budget. Like I'm telling you today, what is this? The, the, you know, early in this month? 17th. The 17th. Look at your numbers and give yourself a budget. Know exactly what you can spend and don't go over that. If you can reasonably spend $500 and not cause yourself or 400 or 300, whatever that number is and not cause financial stress, for yourself then do that do that
0: and it sounds like it'd be a good time to really get in tune with what your emotional triggers are before you start spending if you haven't already done so
1: that is also true that is also true yeah my whole thing as a financial coach is just teaching people how to plan ahead and not getting caught up in the moment
0: and i know know as a coach you've heard this right if you
1: fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Plan. plan to fail. Exactly. So because the season is upon us, we don't have a lot of leeway to save a whole lot of money. So I charge you to save a little bit at a time towards that goal so that in the future, you don't have to try to come up with your entire Christmas budget two weeks before Christmas mm-hmm. unless you, you know, unless you have a budget that you've already planned it out in, but Again, planning ahead is the biggest key with success. Or biggest Do you know, success.
0: I just started doing that within the last two years. Yeah. Like literally yeah. putting money to the side for Christmas, for birthdays, for holidays, because I'm the one who loves everybody. So I'm buying gifts on gifts on gifts on gifts. And then I was looking like my bank account, the way my bank account set up, I got a check-in and I got a savings. <laughs> 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 and so, yeah, I know as we talked about, even if it's just a little bit, right? I started a with bit. $5 at that same online account. And when you don't touch it and then it gets that interest on top of it, mm-hmm. you know, it makes a really big difference.
1: Absolutely, so thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And I just, one more tip with the saving. As you mentioned, just starting where you are and automate it. Take yourself mm-hmm. out of the equation. Let me just tell you, newsflash, we cannot be counted on <laughs> Be trusted.
0: So you can't depend on yourself.
1: That's what you're saying. Now, when it comes to saving money, okay, don't trust yourself. Just take yourself out of the equation. Automate your savings. Have it automatically going without you having to interfere. And like you said, with the five, start with the five dollars, or start with five percent or ten percent. But do this in January. Whatever you are saving, if you're saving twenty-five dollars a paycheck or twenty-five dollars a week, increase it by one percent in January, in February, increase it by 2% in March, increase it by 3%. That way you do these gradual increases until you work up to the percentage that you want to be saving, or you work up to saving your, hitting your goal. It doesn't hurt as bad when you're doing these incremental increases and what you're saving, but anybody can really start there. $5 a paycheck, $20 a paycheck. That's like, what. Two Starbucks, right? I don't know. I don't really drink Starbucks. (laughs) You know, this more than that at Starbucks. (laughs) Start with like what's two bucks? Two Starbucks like (laughs) fifty bucks nowadays. So start with giving up two coffees for the month. I need to invest in Starbucks, (laughs) (laughs) Start with giving up two coffees for the month. You know, there is some discretionary spending that we all could do without that will give you a head start, give you a jump start into building your savings and building your your safety net. So it's just about taking time, sitting down at a table with your spouse, sitting down at a table with your yourself, your partner, or whomever manages the finances in a household and creating a plan, a plan to do better than what you are doing right now. 1% 1% change in your attitude and your mindset and your savings can make a hundred percent difference. So it's just about deciding that you want to change and taking that one percent action.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that! I love it! I love it! I love it! Mm-hmm. Okay, there are a couple of questions I want to ask you. I ask each and every person that is here these couple of questions just to pick your brain and for my own personal interest because I know what my answers are so if you could go back and give your 17 year old self one piece of advice and one piece of advice only what would it be and why
1: if I could give my 17 year old self one piece of advice it would be to always believe in yourself maybe this is too And not be afraid to take chances. We'll take that one. I can't think of, well, I think I say that because I think of all the times where I shrink back or I was scared to do something or I was scared to speak up. And here I am at 40 really taking that power back. So I would say that would be, that's the thing I would tell my 17 year old self, like, believe in yourself. Don't be afraid to take chances.
0: Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna add that to the list. (laughs) Okay, number two, because we are on the Flow and Flourish podcast, tell me what you do to make sure that you flow and flourish on a regular basis.
1: Ooh, so I am a mom and a wife, a mom of three fairly high maintenance kiddos and a high maintenance husband. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, tell it. Okay, so I got a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old, and I'm not homeschooling, but virtual schooling, the eight-year-olds, and I'm working from home myself constantly, but the one thing that I do that I absolutely, it centers me, it allows me to just recharge and allows me to be that mom that can handle the family, the cooking, the working, everything that I have going on in life. Y'all, I take baths at night when everybody is in the bed and I sit in the tub and I read, I catch up on my podcast and I cannot tell you how much that just, it's just how I recharge. I love to have time to myself and I don't have a lot of time to myself between. Sunrise and sundown because I'm constantly caring for my family. But just taking that time at the end of the day to relax, to take a bath, I read, I like to read. And the second thing I like to do is I exercise, I run, and I don't care what the temperature is, I get out and I run. And the thing about running is that is my time with God. That is the time that I hear from Him the most. And it's funny because a lot of times whenever I'm running, I stop because I'm always getting ideas for content or ideas for an email, or ideas for a post. So Mm -hmm. that time that I have outside, just being in nature, taking in the cold air or the hot air or whatever the temperature is, it is crucial for me. It's crucial for my creativity and it's just crucial for my connection to God because it's the weirdest thing. I always feel like I am closer to him when it's just us just us in the road and sky and the, the trees and the birds. I love being in nature like that. So those are my two ways that I ensure that I am flowing and flourishing. Oh
0: my goodness. This was such a good episode. And I'm so glad that Emily and I finally had a chance to connect. I know this one is a little bit longer than most of my typical episodes, but it's packed with so much information. And listen, I want you to start thinking legacy. I said during the podcast that I really didn't start to shift my mindset until a few short years ago, and I can't tell you how much of a difference that it's made for me and my family. So with that, I want you to make sure you share with myself and Emily in social media what your key one to two takeaways were and how you're going to apply those to your life moving forward, especially since we're in the middle of holiday season, right? And of course, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Make sure you go ahead and do that right away. Additionally, please make sure that you join me every single Friday on Facebook Live for Flow Fridays. Typically, I'll be having... The guests who are on the podcast do some live Q&A. And then sometimes you'll just get me as well where we're talking about different topics. So make sure that you're tuning in. And if you are not on Facebook, but you still want to catch those Flow Fridays, I do upload those to my YouTube channel as well, which is just Nicole Rome. You type in Nicole Rome, and you got me. Okay. And... Last but not least, make sure that you are on my email list because I will be launching my coaching program in the next six to eight weeks. So I want you to be in the know. And if you are looking for an opportunity to partner with me, this will be a really great time. Okay, so make sure you are signed up for that email list. You can do that on my website at NicoleRone.com. And of course. I want you to leave this episode making sure that you understand how privileged I feel to be able to be your guide and capacity coach and help you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters to you most. I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving and I will talk to you soon.